Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In all things, and keeping the ordinances as I deliver them to you. A lot of times I hear preachers preach that, and it's like they're not keeping them. That's not it. They are keeping them. But they've got some problems with them. And that's where he is. You're, you're remembering me, and then that present tense it's more on progression you are now remembering me and continue and then with the keeping the ordinances an ordinance is a command that God gives and there's two ordinances that God gave to his church and they're the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper now we got into some of that in chapter chapter 10 but now chapter 11, we're going to get it full on. But I would have you know, 
you're keeping, you're remembering me and you're keeping the ordinances, but you've got to know some things. And I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Now, he's, what he's going to teach them here is the truth of wearing a, wearing a head covering and not wearing a head covering. This has to do with the Lord's Supper. Now, chapter 10, we talked, we saw that the children of Israel were baptized unto Moses with the water, walls of water, and the pillar of cloud. They were immersed and identified with Moses. Well, what you have to do in order to properly take the Lord's Supper is you have to be properly identified with Christ and his church. And there's no other way to do it than after one is saved, you confess before the church and you submit to scriptural baptism. And that identifies you, makes you a member of the church and identifies you with Christ and his church and everything that we teach. And that is absolutely first and foremost in taking the Lord's Supper. Then he tells us that the improper example is the children of Israel. Because of what they did. They became idolatrous. Well, they did that around Mount Sinai. And so he says, verse 18, Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. What say I, th- say, what say I then that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles or the heathen sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. And not to God. And I would not, I would not that you should have fellowship with demons. Now, doesn't that stop you from having interdenominational Lord's Supper? You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Now, We cannot have people taking the Lord's Supper with us. Number one, they're not qualified because they're not a member. And number two, we don't know who they are. When someone becomes a member of our church, they've at least given evidence that they're saved by the same salvation that we are saved by. And they're given a confession, they've given a confession of faith that they stand in that salvation. And they have agreed with the Lord and with the Lord's church, the doctrines, and submitted to scriptural baptism. Well, you cannot know that about people that just pop in. They're not members of the church. I've been in churches preaching revival meeting, doing the trail of blood. And the churches take the Lord's Supper. 
I wouldn't dare think of trying to take the Lord's Supper with them. Matter of fact, I've been in one or two that tried to offer to me. No. I can't take this with you. You need to know better than that. So, anyway, you've got to have the proper identification to properly observe the Lord's Supper. And that would be my point of chapter 10. Proper identification and proper moral presentation. You can't take it with idolaters. Uh, Do we provoke the Lord or to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So we've got to be properly identified and that's only a fellowshipping church member that has submitted to everything. And that's, I don't know why these preachers, I do know why too. They can't, they can't get that in their head. They don't want it in their head. Because if they do, their, con- their, their crowds will diminish greatly. And those bottom line bucks will diminish too. Uh, now, Verse 3, chapter 11, he says, Now I want, you to, I want you to know some things, all right? The proper order, the divine order of the sexes. There's only two. Contrary to the world today, there's only two. And one can't become the other, and the other can't become the other. If, if you are born a man, a male, you'll have to remain that because you can't become a female. If you're born a female, you'll have to remain that because you cannot become a male. Now, not everything that they do is just a travesty of it. Uh, well, these so-called men that, that get married, at least one of them, they call it drag. Is that what they call it? They, they dress like, dress and act like a woman. I don't know any woman that acts like one of them. I mean, have, have you ever seen them? How they act? How they dress? I mean, they're an absolute uh, travesty of a woman. Women don't act like that. Uh, not at all. But that's what they what they become and they make themselves be that way God didn't make them that way Amen. they're rebellion and that's all it's about it's about rebelling against God's order well here's God's order I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God there's a divine order now there's nothing uh, negative about a woman any more than there is negative about a man. If Christ is the head of the man, does that mean we're no good? No, it means we are what we are. And Christ is what he is. Is there anything negative about a woman and the man being the head of the woman? Not at all. It just means that she's where she is and he's where he is and the Lord is where he is. And that's God's 
proper divine order. Now, we're talking about our behavior in church, in assembly. We're uh, not the building, but in the assembly, wherever it assembles. All right. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. If we come in here, men, wearing a hat, we dishonor our head because he is our head and that cover denies that. So, I don't want to dishonor the Lord. And I think it's a shame if I have to tell somebody in the house of God to take the hat off. Unless I totally miss them, I will tell them. Now, contrary to the contrastingly to that, verse 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one, as if she were shaven. Now, here we see that a woman praying or prophesying. Now listen to this. It said the same thing about a man. Then how do we pray and prophesy? Men pray in the mixed assembly. We all prophesy if we're here right. When whoever is preaching or teaching and you are joined with them in your heart, listening to them, then we're all prophesying. And that's the only way I can see that. Now, it's not that women are prophets, or not that all men are prophets, but we prophesy when we come and join our hearts together in prophesying, in teaching. Prophesying is teaching. Uh, So, but if a woman dishonors her head, that is even all one as if she were shaven. Well, what about her being shaven? Well, that's a problem. We're not talking about a woman taking chemotherapy and losing all of her hair. That's tragic. That's not, a, that's not under discussion here. But you see a lot of women nowadays that have shaved heads. If the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Now the word shorn, what do you do with sheep? Shear them. That's the word for shorn. Cut closely. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, two different things. Shorn is cut closely. They don't take a razor and shave a sheep when they're shearing it. They cut it close. The stubble's still left. So to be shorn is to have it cut close. To be shaven is to have it shaved. And those are both right there. But is it a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven? Do you do I do you have do I have to get you to answer that, or do you already know the answer to that? Is it a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven with her hair cut off or even a head shaved? And again, I'm not talking about somebody that's lost their hair due to chemotherapy or something like that. Not at all. Oh, you know the answer to that, and everybody knows the answer. To that. 
I doubt there's anybody that doesn't know the answer to that. As the way Paul asked that question, I doubt there's anybody that doesn't know the answer. Can you think of anybody that doesn't know the answer to that? Is it a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven? Don't we all know the answer to that? Of course we do. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. For as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. There's a reason for that. A woman is not inferior to a man, but God made Adam, and then he made Eve. And she's a helper that is suitable for the man. That's the way God made it. It's not because Adam was such a superhero. As a matter of fact, when Adam made a decision, he made a pretty bad one, didn't he? Now, Eve got deceived in it. God didn't say Adam got deceived. Adam went into it with his eyes wide open. Pretty bad decision. Uh, yeah. Anyway, verse 8, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. And that just simply means that the woman was not made from the side of Adam. The woman, or yes, she was, he, uh, uh, he wasn't made from the side of the woman. So the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's the order in the Garden of Eden. God made Adam, and then Adam was alone. And God made woman from his side for Adam. And that's the order. You can't ar quit arguing with me. I didn't write this. That's God's order. All right. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause or reason ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. That word power is authority. She ought to have the symbol of authority. And that head covering is the symbol of authority, that you're under God's authority in your proper place as a woman and for a man to have a, a hat or a covering on in the house of God, he's, he's destroying it. He is dishonoring his head. Now, to balance this, God balances his truth. Number 11, nevertheless, nevertheless, with all that being said, neither is the man without the woman. Men are not independent, folks. Neither is a man without the woman. Neither the woman without the man and the Lord. In other words, the man needs the woman and the woman needs the man. That's just the way it is. Now, for as a woman is of the man, verse 12, even so is a man also by the woman, but, in all, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely? That means attractive. That a woman pray 
unto God uncovered. Now, in our day and age, probably most women wouldn't know what we're talking about there. But there was a time, I don't know how, if you're as old as me, ain't nobody here old as I am, so. You might remember, if you go back, I don't know, Beverly, you might remember some of this. When women went into a church without a hat on, they got talked about, didn't they? They thought that was very disrespectful. You remember that? And before that, it was even more than that. Then people started saying, well, that's Catholic. That's Catholic. No, but see, when, well, here's the problem. When preachers got that big yellow streak down their back and re- quit preaching this, and said, oh, well, I, I, I don't believe that. Well, that's pretty handy when you, when you don't have to preach it because you don't believe it. Then you don't have to get all the flack about it. But there's no way anybody who studies a Bible can read this and come up with what they come up with. Now let me show you here. Verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? You don't have to tell me that I know some of these women, they love these guys with all this long hair. But God says it's a shame. For a man to have long hair. And these girls, I love that long hair. I'd love that long hair. Well, it's a shame. And God help us for loving something that's a shame to God. If it's a shame, it's sin. I've heard people try to say, well, it's a shame, not a sin. Shame is a sin. Anyway. But if a woman, verse 15 have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. And we'll come right back to that verse. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Well, I have actually heard pastors read through all this and get to verse 16 and say, well, whatever you believe about it doesn't make any difference. Because it's not worth arguing about. I'll name one of them for you. He was my pastor when I preached, when I surrendered to preach. And I'll tell you that is not what that verse of scripture says. If any man seemed to be contentious, that's argumentative. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. At this time, during Paul's life. He said, we don't have any such custom of men wearing hats in the the house of God, or the assembly of God, and women not wearing them, and men having long hair, and women having short hair. We have no such custom, and neither do the churches of God wherever they are. They were all evidently obeying this. Now they don't do that now. That wouldn't work today. Because you've got their few and far between churches that teach the truth on this. Because preachers ain't got a backbone. They're afraid. They're going to lose money and lose people. Amen. 
Now look back at verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory for to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, well, she doesn't need to wear a head covering because the hairs are covering. I can name them right in this town, call themselves sound Baptists that teach that. And that ain't what that says. We've been talking about women in this context having their hair sheared or shaved. And he said it's not right for them to do that. It's a shame for them to be shaven or shorn. The other way around, shorn or shaven. Now, Men, we can be bald-headed and not dishonor the Lord. I mean, there's a lot of men that make themselves bald-headed. Nothing wrong with that. But is it wrong for a woman to be bald-headed. I'm talking about making herself bald-headed. Of course it is. I've already stated that. So, if she's shorn or shaven, she's ashamed before God. And that's the same as if she got a head cover, got, doesn't have a head covering on. Dishonor her head. Now, so what it says, it's her glory. Well, you, you know, you have to do study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, you really don't have to go to the Greek. The context does it. Look at verse uh, 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Now what does that word covered mean? Say, well, the, well, the covering's the hair. Really? So every man praying or prophesying, having hair on his head, Dishonors it, the Lord. So, old boys, we better get the razor out. In other words, we got no business wearing hair in the Lord's house. Isn't that what that verse says? Of course it is. And you know, it's a Greek word there that's totally different. That's down the other part. But now every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Now that's not the same word, uncovered. You see, you got one word, peribolio, means what, wrapping around. That's close. That's your natural hair. And this other one is kata 
Kaluktatai. I don't expect you all remember those words, but that means down on. That's an artificial covering. So you've got your natural covering, and that's why for most women, and there's some in age and all everything, that they start losing, losing hair and they get a little thin-headed and all that. Uh, but for the most part, women have a better head of hair than men. Agree? And most women are jealous of their hair. They protect it. They want it to look good, and they take care of it. That's natural. You're supposed to do that. Men, they get a little vain, or a lot vain. There's some of them red ball players. I wish they'd cut their hair. A big bushy hair hanging out the back of their ball cap. Ridiculous looking. Just ridiculous looking. A man... Yeah, long hair and earrings and nose rings and hog rings and everything else. It just, I never, I never believed I'd ever see men doing that. Never, never did. When I was a kid, if you said, if you told a boy, you look like a girl, you had a fight on your hands. These are, (laughs) because they're learning that in school. Anyway, so, if you got questions, comments about the head covering, let me know. I think I've covered it here. Okay. Verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. Well, now we're getting on into this. And Paul saying, I can't praise you in everything you do. You don't praise bad behavior. You know that? You don't praise a kid that disobeys and halfway does his job. You don't praise them for that. Oh, yeah, you got to tell them they're good. No, you don't lie to them. Nobody else is going to praise them. So Paul says, I can't praise you for this. That you all come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Coming together in their church meetings, And coming together to observe the Lord's Supper. All right. Uh, First of all, for first of all, verse 18. When ye, yet second person plural, talking about the assembly, come together in the assembly, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. Well, there shouldn't be divisions in the assembly of the Lord. We ought to be together on our doctrine. We ought not to have somebody teaching this and somebody teaching that. We need to be be together, have unity there. For there must also be heresies among you. And that's only, I think, the second time that's used. Or two two versions of it, or two citations of it in the scripture. Uh, That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Well, the divisions reveal the heresy that's there. That's caused the divisions. And that's why we need to have unity of the faith. Ephesians 4, very plain on that. So when you all come together, see that's that's the meeting. You can't have an assembly that doesn't assemble. How important is it for members to assemble at assembly time? 
extremely important. You can't have an assembly unless you assemble. Plain enough? Okay. Uh, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. That is their practice of what they're doing. They could have done that, but they have degenerated into something else. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. Now, your actions reveal that you have not come together to take the Lord's Supper in the unity of the faith, in your, your assembly. One taketh before other his supper. They're eating their regular supper. There's nothing wrong with eating at church. We don't want to do it in the auditorium, but we've got a place for it. Nothing wrong with doing that. But that is not part of the Lord's Supper. And besides that, these people are, some of them have plenty and others have nothing. And they're taking all of their food and not waiting on anybody else or even considering anybody else. So, he says, one is hungry and another is drunken. I do not believe, I've told you this before, that the church at Corinth got drunk at the Lord's Supper. As many, many preachers, they preach it. I think that's a horrible thing to accuse one of the Lord's churches of. Has anybody ever been to a place where people were drunk? I have. Uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen lots of stuff. And, and it's not just people drinking. When you get somewhere what they call a party and everybody's drinking, you not only have getting drunk, some puking, falling out on the floor, you have Joe Blow gets with John Brown's wife talking dirty to her or trying to hit up on her and vice versa all over the place. And the next thing you know, it breaks out into a fight. I used to go over stand shore patrol in, in Japan. Huh. I've had I've had to wade into them, buddy. I tearing the whole place apart. Everybody drunk. Uh, anyway, it's not just drunkenness going on. I don't care who you are. I went to a party one time when I was aboard the carrier. I got chosen to be the country music disc jockey on our radio. That wasn't no paid job, it's just to do. And we had our own radio station. Now that I, after I left, they got a television station. They had their own radio station. And I had my country show and I named myself Hank Country. That's who I was. I was country music disc jockey. Uh, but the guy that was in charge of that was Mike Pasternak. His daddy was Joe Pasternak, he was a big Hollywood producer. He produced all those Connie Francis movies and all that. I don't know, had a bunch of them. Filthy rich. Well, one weekend, Mike invited me and Bill Kebler. He was from that area. But anyway, on the weekend, to go, to, 
go and see him at his house. Well, you know these great big houses down here? The house he was in made them almost look small. Huge place. You know where the refrigerator was? They had a whole brick building full of walk-in freezers and refrigerators. So we were there about lunchtime. He said, you all want some lunch? I said, yeah, what do you got? He said, what do you want? I mean, they had full-time cooks and butlers and maids and all that. And Mike wasn't like that. He was pretty straight and just normal fellow. Seemed to be anyway. I said, I don't know. What do you got? He said, I'm being honest with you. What do you want? Do you want lobster? Do you want, what do you want? Filet mignon? We've got everything here, whatever you want. I think we just got a sandwich or something, but I mean, uh, mercy, all that. Well, then that night, Mike took us to a, to a party. I think it was getting close to Christmas time. And it was right next door to where Elvis Presley lived in Bel Air. We didn't get in there, but it was, you could see the gates and all that stuff. We went to a party. There's nothing but rich, rich Hollywood people there. And I want you to know that I observed them. Now, they didn't have Thunderbird wine. They had top whatever it is, flown in liquor from all over but I'm telling you, that bunch of rich snobs were just as drunk as those guys down there on Spring Street or wherever it is, down there at Boots' Bar or something. They were just as drunk and just as vile and just as nasty. I don't care who you are. When you get that stuff in you, you ain't going to act like you ought to act. I mean, bad stuff is going to come out on you. Uh, now the drugs, I guess, even worse than that. But anyway... So I don't believe that this church was getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. What those two terms indicate, there are extremes. One is hungry, has no food. The other is drunken, has so much that is running out the ears. That's, now that word can be just drunken, like it's not slinging drunk. But the context demands, and because of who it is, that that's one has an excess of too much, and the other one has an excess of not enough. And that wasn't good. We ought not to do that. We ought to have more concern for each of our church members, whoever they are, wherever they came from. Now, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Now, people use that and say, well, it's wrong to eat in church. It's a sin to eat in church. You ever heard that? That's not what he's saying. Not at all. Why would you come here and pervert the Lord's Supper, bring in your food, and do all this damage to your brothers and sisters, aside from uh, mixing up the Lord's Supper with your meal? What have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Why do you have to do it, do it here? Well, he said, or despise ye the church of God. Now that word despise doesn't mean hate. It means think down on, think less of. 
Kata phroneo is the Greek word there. It's not miseo, which is hate. Hate is mental murder. This is not hate. It's think not much of. And I'll tell you, that's where the majority of people are today with the word of God. They don't think anything about it. They don't think much of it, nor do they think anything about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all going to pay for that. We're paying for it now, but we will. Anyway, or despise you the assembly of God and shame them that have not. That's why I used to hate the the Sunday school, Southern Baptist Sunday school material. When I was in Sunday school at Southern Baptist Church, they had these little things that you had to fill out. And on there it said, did you bring your Bible? Did you study your lesson? Did you bring an offering? Well, I know there's kids in that class, and they had no money. They're riding a bus and doing well to be there at all. And there, oh, I brought $10. Rich, rich kid. I brought $10. And I said, well, I didn't have anything. Now, what did I do to the kid? You see what I'm saying? That's why when I, when I first got here, I cut that garbage out immediately. I would not have that garbage going on. It's none of your business if anybody brought money or not. Uh, anyway, he said, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. I don't praise you in all this. Then he begins to give us the pattern of the Lord's Supper as laid down by the Lord in the Gospels. Now, we'll take that on. Now, this, real quick, this uh, Lord's Supper uh, that I passed out, a lot of people call it communion. We have sometimes it derives from the scripture, uh, from this scripture, but the First uh, Corinthians 10 16. But this misteaching about the subject is not helped by this term. That's why I would kind of uh, frown on that term a little bit. It does not refer to the fellowship of the brethren, but to Christ. It's not communion with fellowship with brethren. It's to Christ. And then Eucharist, that comes from the Greek word to give thanks. Same word that grace comes from. Eucharist. And uh, verse 24, uh, when he had taken, let's see. When he had taken, where am I? Given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat this in my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. So we'll go over this next time. I don't want to hurry this over. All right. I think.